Tim Hortons Field beginning to fill up the excitement, certainly building for the Tiger Cats and Alouettes on a Thursday night. This is the Journey Rewards pregame here on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. Longtime CFL coach and Tiger Cats broadcaster John Salamatis joins us with his pregame salutations. Coach Sal, always a pleasure to have you. Now, let me go right at you. If there was ever a time for a convincing victory, is it not now? This would be a great time for a convincing victory. And in order to get that, and Andy talked about it just a while ago, they're looking for an identity. This team's looking for an identity. To achieve that identity, number one, they have to stop shooting themselves in the foot. And, and by that I mean, you know, go back to that BC game. There was every opportunity in the world to win that football game, and they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, you know, those things can't happen if you're going to win the East Division. Yeah, the, you said it. And it, is this a must win, though? <laughs> you know that's not a must win. The must win comes at the Grey Cup, and that's the only time you have a must win. We talk about going into, you know, splitting the season into thirds, and, and we're going into the middle third of the season. So the first six games, Tiger Cats one and five. The second six games, all Eastern Division opponents. So you could make the argument that the, each game is worth more than just two points in the standings because if you lose, you're not only not getting those points, but the other team is. Uh, what does the team need to go in this six-game stretch in order to position themselves to make the playoffs or and or win the East? Well, in my opinion, and it's only an opinion, they have to play to their strength. And their strength is their defense at this point of the season. And, and by that I mean if you look at the Hamilton offense, they're in the second down conversions, they're, only, they're less than 40%, 39.7%. They have the highest number of two and outs in the league. Their turnover ratio is a minus 13. They average four giveaways a game. Now, if you take all of that away, you take it away and give it to the defense by field position. And, and in my opinion, what they need to do is, is in third down in two situations, if they're outside that 40-yard line, they need to punt the ball, put their defense in the right position on the field. Make Harris, the quarterback for Montreal, go the length of the field if he's going to score. And, and most times, and you talked about Carell Brooks coming back, most times the defense will either stop them or take the ball away. In the rush game, the defense only gives up 4.3 yards per rush. So that puts them, the Montreal team, behind the chains right away if they try to run the football. So, you know, play to your strength. And I keep saying that with every reasonable doubt that, you know, the Hamilton Tiger Cats don't have an identity. And they need that identity. That identity is defense right now. When you talk about the field position and, and punting versus field goals, does it matter if you're with or against the wind? Oh, absolutely. Right now, the wind has dropped right down uh, on the field. Early on, it was blowing pretty good. Right now, it's dropped down. But, you know, right now, the Tiger Cats are carrying two kickers, one punter, uh, Domangala, and, and one uh, kicker, Small. Now, those guys are combined basically – if you look at Domangala at uh, punting duties, he's only punted 12 times. But he is third in the league with a net of 38.8. So that means he can give you that instant field position. 
Now, Small is doing the, uh, the kicking for field goals. Uh, between Dolmaga and, and uh, Small, inside the 40-yard line, they're perfect. Outside that, when they get to the 50-yard line, they drop down to four of 11 kicks. Ouch. So, you know, again, it goes back to the idea, don't take a chance, don't gamble on things. I don't want them to be conservative on offense, but I don't want them to gamble on offense. Well, field level is a, a little bit calmer, but walking into the stadium, you could feel the wind, and you can see the flags up high still gusting pretty heavily. So you never know what's going to happen when that ball's in the air, whether it's a throw or a punt. Uh, and the Ticats so far this season have not had the wind in the fourth, in the second and the fourth, uh, a lot this year. And that could be for a number of reasons. Losing the toss is, is the most obvious. But I know Tommy Condell likes to take the balls in certain situations to try to score fast. Uh, Orlando's it's the same way. The, the, I got a tidbit of information from Hall of Fame uh, media personality, still Steve Milton. He said he asked the CFL in the second and the fourth quarters where the they call those the long quarters because you have the three-minute warning and the clock stops in between plays after the three-minute warning. There's an average of seven extra plays in those quarters and 56% of the scoring in the game comes in the second and the fourth quarter. So is, do you think it's important to kind of shift that mindset and, and really play that field position battle and play that wind uh, in the game here tonight where you might think, oh, it died down a bit, but the... the you know, you never know what's going to happen as the game goes on. Well, Andy, I think that plays right into the uh, the idea that I was trying to get at. Go ahead and kick the ball off uh, to start with. Put your defense on the field. Make them go a long way on that field. I think we kick the ball something like 65 yards uh, on average uh, on a kickoff. Now, if we get good coverage down the field, we can keep them backed up in there, force them into a punting situation. And again, go back to the idea that in the fourth quarter at home, you should and must have the win. Well, the only team that drove down the field on the opening drive uh, was the Ottawa Red Blacks and, and scored a touchdown, and that's the, the game that the Ticats won. So kind of interesting, <laughs> interesting well, there. That, but that's like you said, put your, put, put your strength on the field, uh, the defense. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. we got to change up on the offensive line. We always like to talk to you about that. Chris Vanzell is on the sixth game. Travis Vornkill comes in. Um, but perhaps, in a way, this is a pretty solid offensive line. We call on Kelly Moon to the right tackle. What are your thoughts? Well, the first thing that I would say about that is when they decided that Chris Vanzell was going to be the starting tackle, number numbers two thing they needed to do was to find another Canadian backup that could play that position. They have not found that guy. So now when Chris goes down with an injury, uh, in this ball game, they have to make two changes. They have to move Kelly from the left side to the right side and bring Vaughn Call back in off the, uh, the injured list. So, you know, every time you have a Canadian starter, have a Canadian backup. Yeah, and that's why uh, Lamar Durant and Tyler Tarnowski, two Canadians in the receiving core, that's, that's where we make up for that, uh, that change in, um, what do you call it, ratio, part, nationality ratio. Uh, go ahead, Bubs. You know, Coach Sal, you know, former Alouettes head coach Kahari Jones is now a consultant. Everyone's talking about this nationally, even locally as well, too. What kind of resource would he have been for Coach Steinauer and his staff? Well, I think it would be limited because the offense has changed. Now that Anthony Calvillo's calling the plays, you can imagine the ball's going to be in the air and, and going deep many a time. But at the same time, Kahari knows the personnel. So he knows some of the weaknesses on the personnel. 
in a lineup uh, situations uh, might come into it. To me, though, where Kahari can be such a great influence on his team, and I don't know if he's going to be on the field or not, but if he's on the field, when that quarterback, Evans, comes off the field, he should go right to Kahari Jones and let Kahari Jones just tell him a couple of things, just minor things that you always don't think about. When you're in the huddle, uh, Kahari can tell him, you know, this is the situation. You need four yards. You know, make sure your receivers know they've got to go six to come back to get that football. Make sure your offensive line knows when you've got to go deep with the ball that they've got to protect up front. Tell them that, uh, Dane. You know, don't be afraid to be the leader in that huddle. What would your strategy be in this game as far as trying to apply pressure on the quarterback? Well, I, I think Harris is a very experienced quarterback. And he can pick up the pressure points and, and throw the hot routes. And, and Anthony was good at that when he played the game. So you would expect that, that that would happen. So you have to give them some looks in which you uh, zone blitz them perhaps or you drop a Hauser back into that secondary as they did before and, and Hauser comes up with a football. But at the same time, I don't think you can let him get comfortable back there because a comfortable quarterback who's experienced will tear a defense apart. You just brought his name up, Julian Hauser. I, I mean, it, it's taken a while, but he's really emerging, I think, as a prime-time guy off the edge. Well, he's doing a whole lot of different things, you know. They bring him off the edge, which I love. I think you've got to have one of your defensive players be a dominant pass rusher, and I think he, he fills that role. But he's also quick enough and fast enough that they can drop him into the secondary and, and play him as a, a defensive linebacker at times. But, uh, and, and they brought him over as a tight end at a couple of situations. So he's very versatile and, and probably the premier defensive player for this team right now. Andy, that interception like, against BC on Nathan Rourke, I mean, he, was, he looked more like a safety there. He was so far back <laughs> in the field off the line of scrimmage. It was amazing. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He, you know, he kind of bobbled the ball thinking, oh, my goodness, it's coming to me. <laughs> but that, the run back was nice, too, and yeah. he laid the shoulder at the, end of the, at the end against the big offensive lineman. So fun to watch. Uh, there's a lot of missed opportunities from this team, in, uh, in my opinion, in, in, in the last game especially. Um, you know, you got they, a couple guys that I pointed out look, that I was looking to have great seasons and, and really step up and have a breakout game, a guy like Tim White. But him and Dane just couldn't get on the same page last week. It was a mix of the throws just being a little short, a little off, to, off uh, target and just not being able to come up that, with that contested catch. Um, you could say the same thing on, on the defensive side. What, how do you respond from, um, from a game that you, you really want to, to get back, and, and, uh, and how do you respond from that? Well, I, I think the response has to be in the practice time. I think they have to get on the same page. And, you know, we talk about bang routes, and you know a bang route, you, you're one-on-one -on -one against a defensive back, you give them an inside move and then go outside or an outside move and go inside. The quarterback and the receiver have to be on the same page. They have to read the same way. They have to understand what the other guy is going to do so that the quarterback can place the football. You know, and, and a lot of fans don't understand, quarterbacks actually place the ball where they want the ball. It's not I'm throwing at that guy and trying to hit him in the chest. It's I'm throwing him away from that defensive back, or I'm throwing it low so the defensive back can't uh, take him 
apart when he does catch the football, or I'm throwing it over top of a, uh, a linebacker in front of a defensive back and trying to drop it in. So all of those things I think you have to do in practice. Uh, sticking with the receivers, I, myself and our colleague, uh, Mr. Luke Tasker, we, you know, you got a guy, we, we were, you know, we love to do these, these option routes and these read, read patterns and work together and really help each other get open. And when you have a guy like Braylon Addison and his IQ uh, of the football game out there, you could see spurts of it this season. And well, I'd like to see them, you know, get him more involved the way that, that, uh, that we used to and, and, and kind of following people in their path and, and breaking off the, the leverage and giving him more option routes. Do you think that the, these guys are, these young receivers are ready for that option route type of style offense? I think they are now. You're six games. They're no longer rookies. Everybody's a veteran on that uh, offensive group. Even Durant coming in as a veteran player, he's got seven years in the league. He understands the defenses. But at the same time, these guys have to get on the same page with their quarterback. And I, I think it goes back to the idea, yes, they understand it, but can they execute it? You know, can, can you get uh, a, a runoff? With, a, with an underneath uh, route coming behind that runoff? Can you get the crossing routes where the depth is correct, where one is short, one is deep, and give the quarterback layers to throw into ladders uh, of, uh, of players? Uh, you know, all of these things, I think, have to come to fruition right now. This is the time to get it done. With his pregame salutations, he is John Salavantis. Coach Sal, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Martin, welcome to be here.